Hey everyone, Christy McClellan here, and I want to invite you to a brand new event from Lifeway Women called Feast. At this event, you'll be invited to feast on God's Word by studying the Bible in its historical, cultural context. We're going to get to know the Bible in its world, in its native habitat, text, and context. You'll experience teaching, worship led by my 25-year friend, Laura Cooksey, and fellowship with other women around the world. Come and learn with me that the living God is better than we ever knew. Visit LifeWay.com slash Feast to learn more. This is the Mark Podcast from LifeWay Women. We're your hosts, Elizabeth Heineman and Kelly King. Each episode, we'll talk about what God is doing, how He has and is marking each of us. Sometimes that will be through interviews, and sometimes we'll have conversations around the table. We're so glad you've joined us today. And welcome to the Mark Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Elizabeth Heinemann. I'm here with my co-host, Kelly King. Hey, Kelly. Hey, Elizabeth. Hey. <laughs> um, we tease each other because it's like we've got this, we've got it down. And I tricked her. We were trying to record this earlier, and I said hi instead of hey. Yeah. And so we, because we're re-recording this, and we're going to get it right. We're going to yeah. say hey. So, but then yay. I also like am not sure where to go after that. Like I have my script, and then I'm like, all right. Cool. I know. Here we go. <laughs> but we're very excited today because we have Nicole Zazowski on the podcast, and we're excited to talk with her about all kinds of things, but especially her book, What If It's Wonderful? So, Nicole, tell us about yourself and your family and your ministry, like what you do um, in your work and in your ministry. Hi, thanks for having me. I am a marriage and family therapist. I have a private practice here in Greenwich, Connecticut, and also do some ministry around the country with um, marriage intensives and speaking at various churches and groups around the country. And I have um, three beautiful children that I'm really grateful for uh, with my hubby, Jimmy. Uh, We have a seven-year-old boy, a three-year-old boy, and a two-year-old girl. And I've also written two books that combine my faith and therapy work and my personal story. Uh, The first one's called From Lost to Found, Giving Up What You Think You Want for What Will Set You Free. And the second one, the most recent one, is called What If It's Wonderful?, yeah, we definitely want to talk about what if it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And Elizabeth, I, you know, I want you to kind of dive in here because you've read the book. I have yeah. not. I'm going to say it up front because I just haven't. And you've done it as a book club and yes. really with a group of people. So yes. talk, talk a little bit about what you've learned. And then we want to talk to Nicole about. Yeah. So we um, we heard you, my boss here at Lifeway, Becky Lloyd, who's mm-hmm. been on the podcast before. She heard your episode of the Glass House podcast with Ben and Lindley Mandrell. And we'll put a link in the show notes. But she, from that, um, was like, I need to read this book. And then she read it and she said, 
I want other people to read this book. And so she kind of had a book club with her sister. And um, there were several of us that some of us knew each other, some of us didn't. But we went through What If It's Wonderful. And we, um, it was such an interesting, we had a lot of very interesting conversations because we all came from like different walks of life, had very different personalities. And so there were some chapters that people would say, oh, I have no problem doing this. Like I celebrate all the time or I like am really good at savoring the moment or I'm really good at thankfulness or whatever. But then there were some, but then there would be other people in the room that were like, I'm terrible at this. I needed to hear this. I needed to know the value in it. And so one of the things that resonated with a lot of us was the courage, finding the courage to celebrate and that like phrase in what if it's wonderful. So tell us a little bit about that. Like, what does it mean to find courage to celebrate? Sure. And, you know, at first, when I started playing with that idea and talking with other people about it, it doesn't seem like those two things would need to go together, that we shouldn't have to, that courage shouldn't be required to celebrate. And yet, This book was born out of a personal season where I was emerging from a lot of loss and a lot of pain. You know, I don't believe our seasons are ever all pain or all joy, but certainly we all know what it's like when they lean in one direction or another. And when I was emerging from that season and experiencing some breakthrough in our story and encountering good news... I noticed this hesitation within myself to embrace it. And I was really sad when I realized that, yes, a lot of the loss I've experienced in my life is tangible loss, Mm -hmm. but a lot of the loss I was experiencing was my inability to embrace joy. Mm -hmm. And that sent me into a deep dive uh, into scripture, certainly, and also psychological research, just understanding the brain and how it works around this particular topic. And what I learned that really resonated with me is that when you have experienced loss or trauma of any kind, it can feel safer not to hold that joy at all, pleasant as it might be, even if it's something you've prayed for, than to hold something that might break. And so that really resonated with my own experience. And I wanted to talk more about the courage required to fully embrace joy. Yeah. And one of the things along with that is you talk about the vulnerability of joy. Mm -hmm. So how do we really, how do we embrace joy and and be vulnerable? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually hanging on to that joy, let alone celebrating it, is a really vulnerable and tender experience. And research says that the only way to tolerate that vulnerability of joy is through the practice of thanksgiving. Um, That last third of the book is all about practical practices of celebration. And one of them is Thanksgiving. And this is different than gratitude. I used to use those interchangeably, gratitude and Thanksgiving, but I learned that they are different. Uh, We talk a lot about gratitude in our culture, which is great. It, It helps us notice and name what is good, and it does increase our joy. Thanksgiving is the outward expression of the gratitude that we feel. So gratitude is the internal experience, uh, the posture of the heart, and thanksgiving is the expression of that gratitude, either to God in our prayers or to other people. 
And what the research says is when you express that gratitude through Thanksgiving, it doubles the joy that you would have experienced mm-hmm. had you simply felt grateful in your heart. Yeah. yeah. And that, yeah. oh, no, that's good. I didn't Go know ahead. if you were going to ask That's okay. No, I'm just thinking um, through that. Yeah. Yeah. That was something that I recently was thinking through before I even read that chapter in the book. And I was just thinking that I'm really good at feeling gratitude for answered prayers, mm-hmm. for things that go the way that I would like for them to go, um, mm-hmm. things like that. And But I'm not always great at expressing it, even in prayer mm-hmm. to God, just mm-hmm. to say like, hey, thank you for for answering that prayer this way, or thank you for doing this for me. Um, and I'm not always great at that. And then I'm even worse at like saying it to people that I know, like expressing that gratitude through Thanksgiving to people. Mm -hmm. And in our book club, we were talking about this chapter and we all had the examples of people in our lives that were really good at that. They were really good at saying, Mm -hmm. hey, thank you for spending this time with me. Thank you for doing this task with me. Thank you for um, helping me with this. Thank you for this advice. And so, and we just talked about how great it feels to be Mm -hmm. around those people and how um, their gratitude is I'm sure affecting them, but it also really affects us as the hearers of it, of like, oh, this is just, I mean, you even just think about like Chick-fil-A employees (laughs) when you say thank you for something and they (laughs) say, it's our, it's my pleasure. Like that is a way I think of expressing gratitude as well, but, Mm -hmm. um, it just makes them more, it makes people that are thankful, um, more pleasant to be around, which is just a side effect of like what it does to your own heart, I think. And we've kind of lost the art of even just thank you notes. Yes. Nicole you know, talks about that in the book. Talk about that in the book because <laughs> yeah. we we may, we may be grateful for what someone has done for us, but did we really take the time to write it down? And I think that even goes when we think about the way we pray. Yes, um, that we there is a difference, and we talk about this, but how we do it adoration mm-hmm. and thanksgiving yeah. of who God is, but then thanking Him for what He's done. Mm-hmm. Um, there can be a difference there too. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. yeah, it's our way of celebrating the gift with the giver. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's God's heart for Thanksgiving is it's not simply a bid for our praise, but it's our way of connecting with the giver of all good gifts and, and celebrating those things with him. Yeah, I like that idea of connecting and celebration as mm-hmm. what thankfulness is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we are actually... As this podcast comes out, it's really close to Thanksgiving. So this is a perfect topic for right right now. But as we enter into the holiday season, we have Thanksgiving, we have Christmas, we have New Year's. um, We have a lot of celebrations ahead of us. We have family get-togethers. We have ceremonies. We have church things, all kinds of things. Um, And it can be a time of a lot of anxiety because you think about all those relationships that are about to be on display. And it's a a lot of times it's a time when we ask all those other what if questions like Mm -hmm. what if this doesn't go as well as I expect it to? What if this happens and we get in a fight? What if this happens and like I don't get all of the uh, my expectations met? Um, So how can we instead shift our thinking to what if it's wonderful? What if this is the best Christmas ever? What if this is the best (laughs) Thanksgiving ever? What can we, how can we make that shift and what advice or encouragement would you have for people who are feeling anxious during this season? Hmm. Two things come to mind as you're talking. I think the first is just not being so 
tied to our own vision that we miss God's provision. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like the question, what if it's wonderful, in part because it squares our shoulders in a posture of excitement for what God is going to do. And there's mm-hmm. some imagination in that versus if we come to the holiday season with an exact vision for how things have to go. And if it doesn't, if reality doesn't match that vision perfectly, um, then inevitably we're disappointed or uh, we might shame ourselves if we feel like there's something I could have done to, mm-hmm. to get us there. But really, what if it's wonderful prepares our hearts in an expectant way. And one of the, th- one of the ways I define expectancy is ex- an expectant heart celebrates before the miracle because an expectant heart celebrates who God is and how he moves in our lives. Um, one, the other thing that came to mind as you were talking that's related is all of those feasts and festivals that we read about in the Old Testament. And they didn't happen because the Israelites were in the mood to celebrate or because right. it was a convenient time or they had accomplished all the good work that they were supposed to do and they were rewarding themselves. No, they, those celebrations happened every seven years, every 50 years, where whatever that, whatever God commanded, they, they happened in rhythm. They, the Israelites celebrated because it was time to do so. Mm-hmm. And what that does is it keeps us connected to celebrating God's goodness and remembering who He is, regardless of what's going on in our circumstances. And I think the holidays are a perfect time to remember that because Christmas comes when it comes. It doesn't always come during a time in our lives where we're feeling festive or when everybody's getting along or when we're not grieving. Right. And it's a it prompts our hearts to celebrate in rhythm, which keeps us connected to the fact that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what does that mean for what we're going through today, what we're bringing to that holiday? Mm -hmm. I think women, we tend to get, we we do have expectations around holidays, don't we? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So you guys aren't old enough to really think through this as much, but as someone that my kids are, you know, away from me or they're, you know, they're grown and trying to share them with other people. Uh-huh. And that becomes, a re- I mean, my friends, we get together and, you know, I have friends that are just like, I don't like this whole sharing thing. I just really <laughs> want them here. And so we base our, we base our celebration on this expectation that if that doesn't happen or it doesn't happen the way mm. that we expect it to happen, then we don't, we don't find joy. And yeah. that's mm-hmm. just, we're, we're missing out. Yeah. We're missing out. Yes. Yes. And I think we've narrowed celebration to being a reaction to good news or reward for accomplishment, or we see our, our joy sitting on the far side of a certain kind of circumstance, like you were saying, something going well, or here's the criteria for my joy, instead of seeing it as a rhythm that's available to us to practice at Mm -hmm. all times and in any circumstance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was one thing that I loved in the book is you talked about Christians are to be a people of celebration and Mm -hmm. how 
little we think. Like, I'm sure if you polled 100 people outside the walls of the church and said, hey, what are Christians known for? I really think celebration would not come up. Um, but it yeah. is, like you were saying, like that's baked into who we are as mm-hmm. as believers because it is part of expecting or celebrating what God has done, which he has done so many miracles in our lives. Mm-hmm. If we are Christians, we are miracles ourselves. So um, just the celebration of that is so important. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a, it's up there with like spiritual disciplines of remembering God's goodness. And that's a way that we remember is through celebration. Mm-hmm. It's a way they remembered in the Old Testament, like yes. a Passover mm-hmm. was a celebration to remember God's faithfulness. And so mm-hmm. just thinking through what that was like. And and even we discussed in our book club, we were like, hey, Passover for the first few years was probably not a very fun party right. because right. they had just <laughs> lived through some major, major trauma like mm-hmm. in their lives. And they were supposed to remember this and like, let's have mm-hmm. a, a celebration around mm-hmm. this and how weird that would have been to the people and the people around them too. And so celebration can even be something that is weird at times, mm-hmm. but that mm-hmm. points us to um, the hope we have in yes. Christ. So I think that's an important thing to remember. And I loved how God. you put that. Yeah, yeah for sure. Sure. Well, um, okay, we're going we're gonna to shift just a minute here, Nicole, and because we want to talk about your first book, too. It's called From Lost to Found, and it talks about giving up what you think you want, which I guess kind of correlates a little bit to what we uh-huh. were just talking about. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, expound on just a little bit of the message of that book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that book outlined more of that season of loss and again, not just tangible loss, but the loss of my expectations Mm -hmm. and confronting for maybe the first time in my life in a, in a profound way, confronting a time where my performance and the things that I use to cope with that sense of inadequacy that I carried around and wore like a tattoo, um, stopped working in my life. And it was really disorienting. So giving up what I think I want, I had my fingers pried off of those things in my life that I was tempted to add to Jesus in terms of my sense of security and my sense of identity. I would have never said that's what I was doing. I um, was a believer at that time. I followed Christ wholeheartedly. Um, but I didn't realize that I was adding a lot of things to the hope that he offers. Um, and those things ultimately failed me when I confronted a season of a lot of unwanted change and loss in our story. And that was the most painful season I've walked through in my life. And it was also the best thing that could have happened to me because I had open hands to receive more of him in places that I would have been tempted to replace him before. I had a pastor one time, um, he mentioned that expectations can be an idol. Mm-hmm. Would you, how would you, would you agree with that? And how do you see that? Yeah. Um, something I actually talk about again in a different way. And in, in what if it's wonderful is this idea of, disordered love. And that's from Augustine, I think is the originator of that idea. But, you know, what are the gifts standing awkwardly in the wrong place of my heart is a question that I 
come back to again and again, even still, because expectations, they might be good. (laughs) They might, Mm -hmm. or something that you're longing for, you know, it's usually not a a wrong thing to, to want and ask God for, whether that's a relationship or healing or breakthrough in, um, your, a certain part of your story or reconciliation with a loved one. These are not wrong things, but even good things standing awkwardly in the wrong position of your heart uh, will make us ultimately soul sick um, mm. and that they can become idols as well. I was reading in the Psalms the other day. I don't remember the exact reference, but my translation said, happy are those for whom God is Lord. Mm. Um, and I just, I loved that because it we think, well, God is Lord and he is, that is true, but is he the Lord of your heart? Is is he the center of your affection? Because what sits at the center of your affection is going to determine the satiation of your joy. And if anything else is sitting there, again, we're going to become dissatisfied. We're going to become soul sick. Mm, that's so good. Mm-hmm. Okay, so in your from lost to found just to kind of continue the same conversation, the description of it reads, sometimes God's rescue looks like prying our fingers off of what we think we want so that we can receive what we truly need. And during the holiday season, a lot of us come face to face with others who are living the lives that we think that we want. Like we maybe see old friends, we see family members who are living Mm -hmm this life that we're like, that's what I want. This is, and it, I mean, even on social media, like we don't even have yeah. to encounter them in real life. You or, see or the, the, the Christmas cards, cards the Christmas card, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the ideal like uh-huh. family photo. Mm-hmm. Um, Assaulting your mailbox every day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so how can we celebrate that in them while prying our fingers off of our own dreams, so to speak? Mm-hmm. Um, and how is there freedom in doing that? Yeah. It's a hard thing, and mm-hmm. and I don't want to um, sugarcoat the the pain of that. Right. Um, there's so many situations we can think of in our own stories where, and, and even whole seasons where we've been there, um, mm-hmm. where it feels like we're just constantly. I know my husband and I walked through a very long season of of infertility and a lot of um, pregnancy loss. We've we've lost five babies. To, mis- to miscarriage. And I, that the holidays were hard because mm-hmm. you see this picture yeah. after picture after picture mm-hmm. of these this picture that you're longing for in your own life. And I know that um, there are so many versions of, of that same dynamic and it looks different for all of us. So I don't want to minimize the pain of that. And I think what you're getting at is how do we grieve uh, for ourselves and celebrate right. other people. And um, this will sound strange because I, I don't mean that that we are to be fake in any way or false, but I think what I know about the brain is that we can think and act our way to a new feeling. We can't feel our way to a new way of thinking and acting. Mm-hmm. So while we're honest about our grief and bringing our grief honestly to the Lord who wants to hear it all, 
I do think we can practice celebrating other people at the same time, even if our hearts need a little time to catch up. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that doesn't mean that we go in with no protection. We might need to say no to a party or two during the holidays, or we mm-hmm. might need to, um, you know, do some things differently in light of our grief, and that's okay. But I think that we can hold both. I think as Christians, we get into trouble when we think that one negates the other. If I if I celebrate somebody else, I'm I'm not honoring my own pain. Or if I'm only honoring my pain, I'm not showing up enough for somebody else. And we could we could sit together in the both and that is so common in our human experience. Yeah, along that same line, I, I'm sure that we have some listeners that as the holidays approach, uh, maybe there is someone that's not at the table this year mm-hmm. that was there last year, or they they are experiencing maybe infertility or just the loss mm-hmm. of someone. Um, how, how would you encourage them today? Mm. You know, when I was walking through that, uh, this is something I talk about in From Lost to Found, I felt a lot of pressure to perform. And that's that tends to be what I do when I'm in pain and we all do different things. Um, but I even played that out with God because we will play out with God what we play out with other people and thought that if I handled everything well and did a, did a good job in those tough moments that he would be proud of me. <laughs> um, and I'm just using myself as one example here. But uh, what I learned was to come to God with the feelings I actually have rather than try to have the perfect feelings for God and invite him to where I was and let him get in the mud with me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I would say just, you know, invite God into the feelings that you actually have um, and don't put pressure on yourself to show up a certain way or especially with your heavenly father that wants to sit with you just where you are. Yeah. That was one of the most um, profound images for me. And what if it's wonderful is Mm. where is God in our grief? We always think he's near to us, but we don't think about him as near to us during our celebrations. And I loved that you talked about that. Like he's there, he's in the middle of the Mm -hmm. grief and in the hardship, but he's also in the middle of the celebration and the party and Mm -hmm. the, and I think we don't often think of Mm -hmm. our God as being that Mm -hmm. person, but he is. And so, um, I loved that picture. And I think that's a good one to keep in mind. Like he is, he can hold both and he calls us to hold both. Um, it's a much, it's a challenge for us. Um, yes. but we can. And he wants to be close to us yes. in both experiences. Yes. Yeah. yeah. All right. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> we both took a breath like, in. <laughs> you can ask her. Okay. okay this is it. the Marked Podcast. And so we ask yes. every week this question. We would love to know your answer. What is one thing that has marked you in your walk with Christ? Hmm. The, the first thing that, I mean, so many, uh, the first thing that comes to mind is he's never disappointed me. Mm-hmm. I've been disappointed by circumstances. I've, I've been heartbroken by circumstances. And when he is at the center of my affection, I've never been disappointed. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been disheartened by life, but I've never been left wanting with him. So I think that 
is one of the reasons what if it's wonderful has been so powerful um, to me as a phrase because it squares my shoulders toward the hope that we always have in him and, and won't ever let us down. That's why it's safe and a good idea to ask that question. That's great. Well, listeners, definitely want to check the book out. <laughs> yes. Might be a good read over the holidays. Yeah, it would be so, perfect. Yeah, or maybe it would be a good gift for someone. Yeah. So definitely I will say that out. we ended our book club with sparklers because that just felt <gasps> appropriate. So we celebrated. I love that. I need to see a picture of that. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we can send you pictures and videos. But it was um, really fun and it's a great Aww. read. So yeah. I would recommend it. Yeah. Thanks, Nicole, for being with us this week. It's been a pleasure. Oh, thanks so much for having me. This was really fun. Yeah. Okay, listeners, we're so glad that you joined us this week and come back for next week. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to join in on the conversation, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Kelly D. King and at E.D. Heineman. Use the hashtag Marked Podcast to connect with us. You can also find Lifeway Women on all social media channels at Lifeway Women. All of today's show notes will be posted at lifewaywomen.com slash podcast. If you love the show, leave an iTunes review. It's a great way for other people to hear about the podcast. We'll see you next time. Home should be a place where we feel at peace, where we can be ourselves, where we feel loved. For a lot of us, though, home is a place of heartache, hurt, and loneliness. As believers, Christ promises us an eternal home. But what does that actually look like? And how do we deal with our current homesickness? I recently wrote a Bible study called Come Home for Women, and I'm so excited that Come Home will also be available for teen girls. It's perfect for small groups, helps girls answer important questions, and gives us a richer understanding of what kind of home God's building for us. The release date for Come Home for teen girls is August 1st, but you can pre-order it now at lifeway.com slash come home. Don't miss out on this opportunity to help girls belong and be loved. Again, you can pre-order it today at lifeway.com slash come home.